So here we are at missions conference again. You know, I, um, I, I, I do enjoy coming back and speak. It's always a little bit nervous because it's in front of the home crowd. Um, and I don't know why, because you all love me. You're not going to, to overly judge me, right? Right? I mean, you love me. We're just family. We're just uh, good folk here, as we say. I mean, there's nothing to be nervous about. But, um, you know, I, I think, I don't know, because every time I come, the, the platform is different. Uh, <laughs> And so I kind of enjoy it. It's like a challenge. Like, what do I'm going to, and, and so I, you know, now it's the table. Before it was the big pulpit where you could hide behind it, you know. Uh, then we had like stands, and I'm waiting for the day that we have uh, a sofa up here, and I can just kind of kick back and, and share with you. I mean, every year it's different. But you know what hasn't changed over the years is the faithful exposition of God's Word. And Pastor Lemming has done a great job of that, and uh, that impacted my family's life, and it impacted me growing up in this church. And, uh, you know, that's what we're talking about in the missions conference this week, is getting the message of the gospel, the most important, the most transformative message in all the world, getting it out to the furthest, furthest reaches of the world, to get it to the uttermost part, to, to get the gospel not only here in the tri-state, which is our focus as a local church, but also um, uh, to get it out into the ends of the earth. And so that's, what, that's really what we're, we're emphasizing this week. When you have an important message, you look for the proper medium in order to get it out to the most amount of people possible. And so if you're trying to sell something, you would put it on Craigslist or Facebook uh, Marketplace, or you would look for an app or a website. When you need to sell something or when you need to communicate something, you look for the, the platform that you want to, uh, to use. Um, I see... Uh, uh, real estate agents here, and they're using the website and apps and things because they want to sell the, uh, uh, their homes. And so you do this. Uh, we do it as well. Now, uh, I learned at an early age that, uh, you know, we didn't have, uh, that was before website, that was before uh, apps. Uh, incredible, the technology in the last 20 or 30 years. But in a serious way now, we think about Jesus Christ. It's the end of his life. The disciples have been with him through his ministry, his earthly ministry. They have seen him uh, on the cross. They have witnessed his resurrection. And as Pastor Lemming preached last Sunday from Mark 6, 16, 15, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But Jesus does something that I think is fascinating. He doesn't cut them loose. Though he has given them all the training, and though they have um, firsthand experience with him, he tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait. I find that absolutely fascinating. And there's, a, there's something in there for us this morning. It's not just for the disciples, but it's for the disciples of modern day. And we're going to explore that this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Jesus gives them a promise, a promise that is absolutely essential for the successful completion of their mission. Acts 1, verse 4 through 9. And being assembled together with him, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many now, uh, days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, 
Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Jesus was the first to use the cloud. Some of you will get that a little bit later. In this passage, I want us to note three things, and then we'll apply it to our life. I want you to notice the promise that was absolutely essential to the mission. The promise, the purpose of the promise, and then the plan for that promise. So we want to notice the, purpose, the, the, the promise, the purpose of the promise, and the plan for that promise. And then we'll see how it was to, to be at work in their lives, and then we'll apply it to our lives. Um, in verse 4 and 5, we see the promise. Look at um, Acts 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. What was the promise? The promise, in verse 5, is the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is incredible to me. It's incredible to me because they had firsthand experience with Him. They, they, had, he, they had more experience and more knowledge of Jesus Christ than really any other followers uh, since. I mean, they had, they had the revealed, um, they had God incarnate in, in, the, in the flesh, the, the Old Testament prophecies, they saw how they, it was completed, they were completed in Jesus Christ. They had watched His life. They had learned from His ministry. They had been trained and equipped for ministry. They had had private tutoring with Jesus Christ. I mean, nowadays we read books about the Jewish Jesus and, and, and how Jesus would have thought and acted in the culture, and we're trying to get as much into the mind of Christ as we can. They, they had primary source material. They had lived with Him. They knew Jesus in an intimate way. They, they knew Him in His public ministry. They, they knew Him behind the scenes. These disciples knew Jesus Christ better than anyone else. They had seen Him as full of grace and truth. John says they had handled him. They knew Jesus. So they understood the, the, the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when he rose again from the, from the grave, and they were, uh, in Spanish, testigos, witnesses to him, he says, go in all the world, preach the gospel. But here, at the very end, his last words, he says, wait. Wait in Jerusalem for the promise. Why do you think he does that? Why do you think they have all the knowledge they need? They have all the head knowledge they need. They have a whole seminary education and more in the relationship with Jesus Christ. And he says, don't go out and share it. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. Ask yourself, why? Because the why unlocks many things here. 
If their knowledge was good enough, why did Jesus say, go to Jerusalem and wait? If their knowledge is good enough, why doesn't Jesus just cut them loose and say, go, go, go tell the story? The harvest is, is, is wide into harvest. The laborers are few. Go, go now. Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Note verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, the word for baptism here means to be completely submerged or to be completely covered. And so what Jesus is saying is that you need to go to Jerusalem, you're going to wait for the promise, and in verse 5, you will be completely covered or submerged in the Holy Spirit or by the Holy Spirit. This isn't new to them. In John chapter 14, John chapter 15, and John chapter 16, Jesus spoke of the Comforter. Jesus spoke of the coming of the Holy Spirit. He calls uh, the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth, and He says that He will be in you. And so, in here in Acts 1.5, when He says that you will be baptized with the Spirit, He's talking about an indwelling of the Holy Spirit upon the lives of the disciples. And He says, don't go do the mission without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Don't do it without the Holy Spirit active in your life. Now, we would have to ask, why? Why is this so critical? Why can't they go out and just share what they know in head knowledge? Why can't they just go and share their passion for, the, for, for, for telling others about Jesus Christ? They've lived with Him. They knew He was the real deal. Why? Do they need to wait for the Holy Spirit? Everything of this message hinges on this why. It hinged on their successfulness, hinged on the why. The application to our life and whether this was worth coming out to Lewis Memorial this morning to, 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 to be part of this message whether you get anything out of this message, it was worth being here because you're part of the body of Christ. But if you're going to take something away from this moment, this why is everything. Note that the context, Acts 1 tells us, I mean, it tells us right here the purpose of the promise. The promise is the Holy Spirit. It's going to be an indwelling, going to be a covering on these disciples. Note the purpose. Verse 8, but you shall receive, what's that word? Power. What's the word, church? Power. What's the word, church? Power. You remember when we used to sing the hymn, there's power, power, and then we'd add like extra powers? That was like a really cool thing to do. Back in the day, power, 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 power in the blood. You know, you shall receive power when what happens? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the power for the mission 
comes through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Spirit is to give them power for the mission. In Luke 24, 49, Jesus had said they would be endued with power from on high. And that's exactly what happens in the next chapter. We see that they're having a prayer meeting. They're in communion and in unity one with another. They're praying, and in Acts chapter 2, there's a mighty rushing wind, and the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon that place and indwells the believers, and at Pentecost, we have the birth of the church, and we have the announcement of Jesus Christ to all these Jewish uh, pilgrims that have come to, 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 to celebrate Pentecost. What happens? Thousands receive the Lord in that day, hearing the message of the gospel in their own language. The power of God moved upon these disciples so that they would be effective witnesses to the people that had come to Jerusalem. You see, the, the purpose of the, of the promise is this power that we have in order to effectively share the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's where we see the the plan with the promise. Note in verse 8, when you receive power with the Holy Spirit, when it's come upon you, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, I know that often we, we use Acts 1-8 sort of as a strategy, you know, our Jerusalem, then we'll, you know, support projects in Judea and, our, and Samaria and, and, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. But relative to when this was written, we are at the uttermost points of the earth. We, relative to when this was written, we're at the end of the earth. And so it's not so much a strategy as it is a reality for Christ followers, That what Jesus is saying is this, you go to Jerusalem, you wait for the promise, when the promise comes you will have power, and when you have the power you will be an effective witnesses witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the othermost parts of the earth or the ends of the earth. But you need the promise controlling your life. As we think about missions conference, We think about how we can get the gospel of Jesus Christ effectively out to as many people as we can. Not just here in the tri-state, but around the world. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how we partner, how we, how we go, how we give, how we pray, how we effectively um, move the gospel and communicate the gospel around the world. And that's what happened here in Acts. The Holy Spirit came and the gospel went out. In fact, you can divide the book of Acts in an outline. One of the ways you can divide Acts is, is following Acts 1-8. Acts 1-7, through the primary emphasis is on Jerusalem. In Acts 8 and 9, the emphasis is on the gospel being uh, going out to um, Judea and Samaria, and in the rest of the chapter, and in, in chapter 10 through 28, the gospel goes to the ends of the earth. But here's something that happened at Pentecost. It says that all those people that had come had heard the, the language, they had heard the gospel, they heard the message of Jesus Christ in their own language. 
They were pilgrims. And so what happened was, is the church was, was birthed, but they didn't all stay in Jerusalem. From the founding of the, the church, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, they went back to their communities. They went back to their countries, and, and they were witnesses from that, 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 that initial day when they received Jesus Christ, they became witnesses when they went back to their communities, when they traveled uh, to other countries, and they went back and they start talking about, hey, I was in Jerusalem, and this is what happened. I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. He transformed my life. And they start, well, what, what we know about, we heard about the, the, the Jewish, we, we know you're, well, what's happening with you? And they started testifying or being a witness to what Jesus had done. And so that's where we see Paul later in Acts. Encounters believers that had come from Jerusalem or had their roots back in, in Jerusalem and, and, and they were, had been testifying and, and bodies of believers would get together and they would form little groups and they would turn into churches and, and they were not always organized and Paul brought organization and helped them. But where does it all go back to? It goes back to Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and the disciples were able to testify in great boldness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, I'm laying some groundwork here. You say, okay, that's, that's good, but, uh, you know, hello, we're in 2019. What's that do for me? Here's what I want to bring to you. I think just as much as it was absolutely, it was an absolute necessity that they had the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives to be an effective witness. I believe today, church, we need the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to be an effective witness. I don't think that things have changed. I think that... Um, Many times our churches, and I include myself in this, we put a lot of other things at the forefront of our lives. And many times, if we're honest with ourselves, we live weak and defeated Christian lives. And I think that God is calling us back to live lives that are controlled and empowered by His Spirit. And this isn't a message for an elite group of Christians. This is a message for all witnesses, all people who claim to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This is for you. This is for me. Do you have the power of God working in your life? You say, well, I don't need that. That's for Pastor Lemming. He needs that. You need that as the missionary. No, 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 no. You are a disciple of Christ. If you have received Jesus Christ, you are a disciple of Christ. Well, no, 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 no. Disciple of Christ, that, now that's, that's like level two discipleship. That's, that's uh, the Bible Institute at Lewis. That's, no, 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 no. Every person who has received Jesus Christ is a disciple of Him. You are a good disciple or you are a bad disciple. But Jesus didn't call Christians to himself. He called disciples to himself. So everyone is a disciple. 
The question is, is if you are a good disciple or a bad disciple, a spiritual disciple or a spiritually weak disciple. But everybody here that names the name of Christ is a witness to him and is a disciple of him. Now, I need to explain something and then, we'll, then I'll, I'll, I'll unpack a little bit more about how we can apply this. At Pentecost, you had what we call the baptism of the Spirit. I had a man come up after the morning service. He said, thank you for explaining that. I'd, I'd never gotten this distinction. Well, I know Pastor Lemming has taught this. He taught this in like year two of his ministry, okay? So it's not like he, he, just, he just had evidently come to the church just recently or something. But anyway, it's important to get this distinction. In Acts chapter 1, verse 5, he talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time act whereby God, through the Spirit, brings the believer in Christ into a relationship with himself and in a relationship to others. There's a baptism. Okay, so you're, you receive the Lord, and at that moment that you receive the Lord, you are baptized into the Holy Spirit, and you're ba baptized by the Holy Spirit, and you're baptized, and you, you join the family of God with other believers who have done the same. Now, here's the thing. If you have received the Lord, you have been baptized, spiritually baptized by the Spirit. You don't have to be nervous. The charismatics don't have anything on us here. You can say, I have been baptized by the Spirit. In fact, if you can't say that, you're not a follower of Jesus. Because every person that has received the Lord has been baptized by the Spirit. Let me prove it to you. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. He's writing to the church here in Corinth. He's not saying there is a group of you that have the Spirit, and there's a group that's praying and trying to do good works and waiting for a baptism. No, he says, for we have all been baptized into one body. Okay, so we've all been baptized. You've been baptized. You say, I don't remember that. Well, hopefully you do. You don't remember it in the, in the terms of, of uh, water baptism, which is, shows our obedience to, 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 to Christ and, and it shows outwardly what happened inwardly. But when you received the Lord, you were baptized spiritually into the family of God. Romans 8, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, note what Romans 8 9 says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So, you know, not to be simplistic, sorry, not sorry, not to be simplistic, but to be simplistic, there are two people here today, two types of people. There are those that have received Jesus Christ as Savior, and when that happens, they are baptized spiritually into God's family. You either have the Spirit or you don't. You either have Jesus or you don't. There, there, there is, is, lots of things goes on the moment you receive Christ, and one of those is the baptism of the Spirit. 
Now, let me show you something that applies to us, because all of us have this, but why is it we live defeated lives? Why is it that we live weak lives many times? Because if we have this, shouldn't we be, why, why don't we see God working in our life like those disciples did? Well, it's a different time, it's a different era. No. There was something else that happened, I believe, at Pentecost. There's a secret here for us. We can, and here's the thing, it's right there in the Word, we just have to study it out. Not anything that I've discovered. You have the baptism. But do you know that you also had a filling of the Spirit? And this filling of the Spirit is for you and for me. And it's different from the baptism. The baptism of the Spirit happens. But look with me in Acts 2, verse 4. It says that they were all filled with what? Filled with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. So on, in baptism, so, so on Pentecost, you have a baptism of the Spirit, but you also have what? A filling. Now, do you know that Paul tells the Christians at Ephesus in, in Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. Paul told later, Paul would tell that church body that you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. How important was the filling of the Spirit to these witnesses in Jerusalem? Well, let's just look at some of this. Look in Acts chapter 4, verse 18. And in addressing the Sanhedrin, the, the religious council, It says in Acts 4.8, I'll take a drink while you get there. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Look later in the chapter in verse 31, in a prayer meeting, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all, what's the word? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the Word of God with boldness. There is a correlation between being filled with the Spirit and having boldness for Him. Look at Acts 6.5. In selecting the first deacon, Stephen, it says, Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. That was his characteristic. People saw him as, as being full of the Spirit. What, what is full of the Spirit? Well, we could do a whole message series on this. In the Dominican Republic, we struggle because so many people are wanting to see a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They want to see, this, they want to see something that we just don't find in the, in the New Testament. And so they try to uh, in other churches, it's sort of like they're trying to produce this manifestation. And so you have people flopping on the floor and roll, you know, running around. I don't see that in the New Testament. They're out of control, and they're saying, that's a manifestation of, of, of the Spirit. Do you know what a manifestation of the Spirit 
The manifestation of the Spirit is Christ's likeness in your character and in your conduct. Uh, you can turn in Galatians. We won't do it. But when, you, when, when Paul is saying to walk in the Spirit and the Spirit will produce love, joy, peace, the, fruits of the, the fruit of the Spirit, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in someone's life is not that you run around the building alive. I mean, I can't do that. Can you? A manifestation of the Holy Spirit in someone's life is that their character and their conduct points to Jesus. That's the manifestation. And so when, when Paul says be filled with the Spirit, it's that the filling of the Spirit is allowing God to have control. And that is to be a continual replenishing of the power of the Spirit upon your life. It, it means that you're constantly yielding yourself to Him and giving Him control of your life to be used however He sees fit. So all disciples need this power. It's not that all disciples need the indwelling. We have the indwelling from the baptism. But what we need is a fresh power in our life. And that fresh power comes from yielding ourselves to God and Him working in us to work through us to be effective witnesses. And so what I'm trying to get to here is that just like the disciples needed a filling of the Spirit of God on their life, so do we. You need the filling of God in your life. You need a fresh fire and a fresh wind or fresh fire, as the book says. You need a work of God in your life so that you can carry out the mission of God for your life. Isn't it a shame that we settle for second best? Isn't it a shame that we, that we live powerless lives? Isn't it a shame that we've, we've gone so far and we're so lethargic many times? We just come and we go through the routine. We do not see God working in a special way in our lives. And it's because we have the baptism, but we don't have the filling. And Jesus said, the head knowledge wasn't enough. Go to Jerusalem and wait, because when the promise comes, you will be with power from on high, and then you will be witnesses. Well, I have the Holy Spirit. I received Him when I was eight years old, ten years old. Okay. We all have that, the baptism. But do you have the filling? Are you yielded over to Him? Because here's what I'm going to submit to you. This is the danger. Pastor Lemming has been here 30, 37 years. I need a calculator to start adding up all these years. It's been a long time. What a good run. You know, this is a blessing. It's a blessing to have a family lead the church for so many years faithfully. Not too many churches can say that. What a blessing to have Pastor Lemming. But you can sit here and you can put all this information into your head and not let it transform your heart. 
and you can, you, you, can, you can be here and you can do outlines and you can critique me and you might send me an email and say, well, you kind of missed it here. You should have done this, should have said this word, should have did this. And you can become so academic in your thinking. Listen, they knew, those disciples had more information than any modern day scholar about the person and character of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, wait until the promise comes in Jerusalem. And so if it was necessary for those disciples who had all the information about Jesus Christ to wait for the promise of the, of the Holy Spirit, then what more for us? I mean, we need that same power working in our lives. I hope out of this message there's a hunger to know God in a deeper way. That you would analyze and, and look at your life and say, Am I do I really have God's power in my life? If it was necessary for them to have it, what about me? Do you know that Jesus Christ was filled with the Holy Spirit? Luke 4.1, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from, from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. When you're filled with the Spirit, you will be led by the Spirit. Luke 4.14, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Warren Wearsby said it this way, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not a luxury it is an absolute necessity. Correct teaching, real life... Well, this is, these are my words now. Correct teaching, real life experience with Jesus, stories of the miracles of Jesus, prophecies completed in Him, explanations of how the Old Testament points to Jesus will not result in an effective witness if we do not have the power of God resting upon our lives. You know what Huntington needs? They don't need more academic information. They need transformed lives. And I'm not against education. I'm working toward another degree. I, it helps you, equips you, gives you tools. But the power is not in the education. The power is in the relationship with God. So you say, well, you know, how, how would we do this? Well, let me give you some just starters. I won't give you the main course. I'll give you the appetizer. You can go home and you can think about this. You can, if you have any questions, you can ask Pastor Living. <laughs> he can clean up. I think there's three things you need to do if you want to have the filling of the Spirit. There's many things, but just kind of reduce them here. Three things. You need to empty yourself of sin. I mean, think about it. I mean, Paul kind of alludes to this. I mean, what, what, what fellowship does, does Baal have with, with Christ? I mean, your, your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, how, how can you be filled with the power of God if you're living in sin? We need to empty ourselves of sin. How do we do that? Well, one of the most effective ways of doing it, rather than just, I mean, some people, they just try harder and harder and harder, and they get so frustrated, and they can't do it, and they say, oh, I can't break this addiction, or I can't break this sin. What has helped me and helped others is that instead of focusing on what you can't do, fall in love with the God of the Bible. And get yourself a way of studying and reading the Bible so that you're putting God's Word into your heart. 
Because when you put God's word into your heart and then you, then you apply it to your heart, transformation begins to happen. And little by little, you'll realize and, and start to ex- experience a victory in your Christian life. And, and little by little, it's not to say you're, you're going to be perfect. We're all going to struggle with that, that old sin nature, but we have the power of God's Word that's quick and powerful. It's alive, the Bible says, and it speaks to our life. Jesus, in His prayer to the Father in John 17, 17, said, Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. We don't have time to do all the connections here, but when you, you have the, the Holy Spirit coming and, and one of the signs is, is, is the fire. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 12, we see that God is a consuming fire. In Malachi 3, 2, Jesus is pictured as, as being a refiner's fire. And so when the Holy Spirit came into Jerusalem and indwelt those believers, there was a purification that was happening as well. My friends, when we have contact and a filling of, the God, of God in our lives, there's a purification that happens. He refines us. He transforms us. So we need to empty from ourselves sin. Secondly, we need to empty ourselves from self. I am not the center of of what? The universe. It's so easy to do. But Paul said in Colossians 1.16, all things were created through him, through who? Jesus. And for him. And he is, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, and who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, all things, Jesus may have preeminence. My life and your life as disciples of Christ we are to be witnesses where God has placed us. And only to be, the only way we're going to be an effective witness is to have the power of God in our life. We are to reflect His glory. All the glory is His. We're to reflect that. We're to, people are to see our good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. If we're going to do this, we have to empty ourselves of sin. If we're going to do this, we have to empty ourselves of ourselves. Jesus, you need to take preeminence in my life. And thirdly, if we're going to do this, we need to empty ourselves of secondary things, of sin, self, and secondary things. Hey, there's nothing wrong with having something nice. I am not one of these type of missionaries that begrudge you having a nice house and a nice vehicle. You all, many of you, you have a history of this. You use your resources to further the gospel. You, you use that to encourage others. That's a great thing. Hey, don't feel bad that you're driving. Well, there's a missionary. Hurry, let's get away before he sees us in our nice new car. No. Enjoy it. Praise the Lord for it. But don't be consumed by it. Don't let it control your life. Don't think that that's it because at the end of the day, at the end of life, your family's just going to fight over it. And we're stuck here listening to the arguments and taking sides. You can't take it with you when you go. So invest your life in eternal things. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust and... Uh, I mean, 
Old King James English. Doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Enjoy what God has given you, but use your life to further the gospel. Invest in that which is internal. So we need a filling of the Spirit. You know, when we talk about faith promise, we're talking about giving control of your life to God. And that's not just through your money. That's through your activity. That's through your schedules. That's through your walk. That's through your job. That's through your family. Can you imagine the impact if 12 turned the world upside down in a short amount of time? Can you imagine? Can you imagine 50 people from Lewis Memorial? Just 50 that said, I am going to let God's power work in me to make a difference in this community. I'm not judging anyone. I'm saying this is a message for me too. But can you imagine if 50, if 50 said, I will, I want that filling. Man, this is the most important thing in my life. I want to be used by God. I want to be a good disciple. I want to tell others about how God has transformed my life. I'm not saying going to be a missionary. I'm saying just be an effective witness for Jesus. Well, you would have to go to three services, maybe. Secondly, the filling gives you an awareness for the people of the world. A, a filling gives you the power, but a filling also gives you an awareness. You know, uh, it's not a strategy, it's more of a reality. You will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's wherever you go, you will be a witness. When those first believers heard the message and they were saved and they went out, they took the gospel back, they were effective witnesses. And the gospel spread out. Jesus has uniquely placed you, God has uniquely placed you right where you are in this tri-state area. You are somebody because you've been baptized into the family of God. You are somebody. You have a sphere of influence around you. You can reach people that I can't reach or Pastor Lemming can't reach. You can make a connection with people, but you're going to need the filling of God to have the boldness to say something for God. And you don't have to be tasteless. You don't have to lack tact. Man, if people reject you because you're ugly about the gospel, that's your fault. That's not on Jesus. You can be tactful, and you can be uh, kind and courteous, and you can sh share the gospel in a way that's, that's relevant to the people. The message doesn't change, but how we share and connect with people. But how are you going to do that if you don't have the filling and the power of Christ? And I'll tell you this. When sin is dominating your life, you're not going to be testifying to others about him. When self is at the forefront, you're not going to be testifying of Jesus Christ. When secondary things have you consumed, you will not be talking about Jesus Christ. But when you empty yourself and you say, more, more about Jesus, more, more, when you have that, oh man, you're going to be talking about Jesus 
wherever you go. It's not just in the Dominican. It'll be right here in the tri-state. Let me illustrate this, and I'll close with this. I know we're running a little long. Probably won't be invited back after this one. <laughs> but you're with me, right? Now, who's going to complain about lunch when he's just talked about the filling of the Spirit, right? Got a little bit of liberty here, I think. We won't go long. It was a Saturday night, uh, probably 9 or 10 o'clock. I don't know why I was out. Um, I don't know if Allie's out of town or what, but I ran by and got something to eat and went to the gas station. I was in the gas station. Um, guy was pumping my gas. You're not allowed to pump your own gas in the Dominican. They have to do it. So, you know, I was standing outside, and a guy came up to me and had a box of chocolates. Let me get a drink of water to finish this good. He had a box of chocolates. Oh, like people here, um, you know, people are always asking you for, for, for money or to buy something. And I was like, nah, you know, I don't need that. And I watched as he went to another station, pumping station. And something, something inside of me just really pricked my heart. And I began to watch him. And I just watched how he moved. I just watched how he carried himself. And he was going to other people. And they were saying, no, we don't need that. We don't need that. And I began, I looked at his dress. He was very nicely dressed, a man about in his mid-twenties. And uh, I called him over. I, I said, come, come back over here. I said, what are you doing? Why, why are you selling these chocolates? He said, he said, well, he said, I'm from Venezuela. He said, things are really bad. You know, our country has fallen, and I'm just trying to make it. So I sell these chocolates, and that helps me support myself. Oh, man, talk about Hello. <laughs> And I, and I looked at him and I said, well, you know, here's who I am. And unfortunately, I don't have any money. I paid well, my credit card for the, for the gas. I said, I don't have any money to buy chocolates from you. Because I, I didn't want to take away his dignity. I was going to buy chocolate and help him, you know, sort of earn that, you know, good old-fashioned work values. And uh, I said, but I tell you what, I'm a pastor of this church. I said, if you'll come, you know, I, I don't, where do you live? He, he said, well, we travel about 45 minutes away to get here. I said, well, I know this is probably a far stretch, but if you would come tomorrow and, and visit our church, I said, I would love to buy a whole bunch of chocolate from you. I love chocolate. My wife loves it. I can introduce other people like chocolate to you, you know, and you, you know, we can help you out. But, I, you know, it's nice to meet you. I, I, I was able to give a little bit of a witness to, uh, of Jesus Christ to him. And I got back in my car and went home next morning preaching. And I kid you not, this is not just a good preacher story. Well, it is a good preacher story, but it's true. <laughs> I'm standing there preaching, and I look in the back, and there's that man that I met at the gas station the night before. I didn't know that guy before that encounter, but something pricked my heart to reach out to him. After the service, I went back and said, man, thank you for coming. You rode the bus in this morning, 45 minutes to get here to church. He said, yes, thank you for inviting me. I said, man, I want to I wanna buy the chocolate. Did you bring the chocolate? And he looked at me almost embarrassed. He said, Pastor, I don't want to sell you the chocolate. I'm just thankful that you invited me to church. Amen. 
Do you know that regularly that man shows up and he brings other people, other Venezuelans that are suffering because their country has fallen into a crisis and he brings his friends and he comes up and he says, Pastor, I brought so-and-so. Pastor, I brought so-and-so. And you know, he's not bringing chocolates. He doesn't even come and doesn't even present us the chocolates. It's not that he wants something from us. He said, thank you for telling me about Jesus and inviting me to church. I need this. What am I saying? I'm saying the filling of the Spirit is not beyond, is not beyond you. I didn't preach a message to him. I didn't give him an outline. I just simply was aware and I had compassion for somebody. I confess, I don't always have that. But the more we can stay over here in the filling, the more effective we will be as God sends us out in the tri-state and in the world. Do you have God's power in your life this morning? Is he working inside of you in a way that you just can't help but to tell others? Maybe the Lord would have you come back. Not for a baptism, you already have that. But for a fresh filling of his power on your life.